If you've never tried the rich CBD-infused Strava Craft coffee, you can use code DNVR20 and get 20% off your order. Or if you're a big fan and you want it sent to your door every single week or every couple weeks or every four weeks, you can subscribe and save 20% every single time and never need to put your credit card information in. Uh, it's a great setup. It's a great deal. And it is some really, really great coffee. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. Consider subscribing or just use that code DNVR20 to get it sent straight to your door. Uh, you won't regret it. NBR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. What are you doing differently with your life come spring 2021? Well, we have a few suggestions. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. Go and build your toolbox at MSU, or why not have it both ways in uncertain times? Make money and work while earning your degree. MSU Denver students can tell you all about it. They work double the hours while taking classes than at any other school in Colorado. MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning your degree and living your life. They're the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So check out msudenver.edu slash online today. My boys, what's up, Ryan? Welcome back. We got the terrific three back together. How you feeling, my man? Feeling good, feeling good. Great to be back. Great to talk some Broncos. And, uh, and I think we have an interesting conversation on the docket here today. So I'm, I'm interested to see uh, where you guys stand on this. You know, Zach, you tweeted this out, and I, I find it to be very interesting. Um, you basically said that, you know, the Dolphins – have done what John Elway wanted to do when he hired Vic Fangio. You bring in this defensive-minded head coach. Uh, you give him a veteran quarterback and a young quarterback. Um, and you put together a really great defense with a quarterback who just kind of has to, to steer the ship. Um, now, for the Dolphins, it is working. For the Broncos, it is not. So my question to you, Zach, since you're the one that put it out, is, What's working for them that's not working for the Broncos? The quarterback situation. <laughs> and not just the veteran quarterback is working for them, but also the young quarterback, or you could say it either way like that. And what I just found so interesting about this, guys, was before or when the Broncos hired Vic Fangio, you know, the, the national sentiment around it was the Broncos zigged when everyone zagged in terms of going for the defensive head coach, the guy with no experience that's exactly what the Dolphins did. So it's not actually true that the Broncos zigged when everyone else sacked. The Dolphins and Broncos zigged 
when everyone else zagged. And so it's not that John Elway's idea was wrong. It's just the way the pieces came together don't seem to be working because now we're in year two of both Brian Flores as the head coach of the Dolphins and year two of Vic Fangio as the coach of the Broncos. And on one side, you have a great defense, a top five defense out there in Miami. And Denver, the defense is certainly not top five struggling. Now there are injuries. Yes, that does come into account. But Brian, to answer your question, it it's not with the defense really. Yes, the, the Dolphins defense is working better than the Broncos. It's the quarterback. Yeah, and it's the quarterback situation. It's, you know, obviously Tua looks like he's the right young quarterback, but in getting a veteran bridge and and you first of all it's thinking of it as a, a him as a veteran bridge and nothing more than that the Dolphins got the right guy when they started this process uh even a year ago before they had Tua when they were still hoping they could get something out of Josh Rosen when they brought in Ryan Tannehill and Joe Flacco John Elway seeing him as entering his prime that famous quote that he said back in, in March of last year um that Clearly, clearly was a mistake. But just look at the two and how they see their job potentially handing the reins to a, a younger quarterback. You know, Joe Flacco, of course, famously said that uh, he didn't look at being a mentor as his job. Said, quote, I'm not worried about developing guys or any of that. That's, that's, that is what it is. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he said this when Tua came in, said, I know I am the placeholder. Whenever it is that Tua gets his chance, whether it's early or late, I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader, unquote. And it starts right there. The Dolphins at quarterback with the veteran that was going to bridge the gap, they had the right kind of guy, and the Broncos had the wrong kind of guy. Yeah, and I personally think that that sentiment applies to the coach they hired as well um you know the one thing that I think we missed a little bit here when you said the Broncos zigged and the rest of the NFL zagged and you know the um the Dolphins also zigged well not totally because what was happening was everyone was hiring young offensive coordinator or offensive coaches and the Broncos hired an old defensive coach that was the full zag to everyone else's zig. What the Dolphins did was they hired a young defensive coach. So, yes, it's slightly different, but it was still in line with something else that was going on around the league, which is bringing in young coaches who connect with young players. Uh, And I think that coaching and connecting with players in this day and age Uh, is as important, if not more important, than it's ever been uh, for coaching staffs in the NFL. And the Broncos have the oldest coaching staff in the NFL. And it just – that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, It doesn't make sense to me because we just – you know, if you talk to Bill Belichick, for example, who also has a, you know, a fairly older coaching staff, mostly starting with him, He'll tell you that connecting with players and the way players are has completely changed uh, over the time that he's been a head coach. Uh, and I think that the, that the Broncos were kind of on the right track last year where 
you have an older head coach, but then you have some younger coaches around him. You had Rich Gangarella, who was young. You had T.C. McCartney, who was one of the younger coaches in the NFL. Uh, and those guys, for sure, were doing a very good job of connecting with the players. Then a couple things went wrong, and instead of you know going along that same lines, the Broncos zagged even harder, even after they weren't successful last year. And uh, now, pretty much everywhere, uh, you know, there's no more Brandon Staley. Uh, like I said, no more Skangarello, no more T.C. McCartney. It, you, it's hard to go through this coaching staff and find someone who is young. Uh, and I think that is another it, – it's not the problem, but it's another one of the problems with, with what, the, what the Broncos did versus what the Dolphins did. So my question to you guys about this was going to be, uh, because clearly John Owe's philosophy wasn't wrong. I mean, Miami is proving that it can work in terms of, you know, a young quarterback, defensive head coach, and a good defense. My question to you guys is, is this something John Owe can double down on? I guess it would be triple down on next year where uh, he tries this again. He keeps Vic Fangio around and tries this again. Uh, and Ryan, from what you just said, my guess would be no. No, I don't think so. Now, I'm not necessarily saying you have to fire Vic Fangio, but you need to make some changes here. Uh, and to be honest, there is part of me that is moving towards the old Jeremy Foley phrase. <laughs> will be done eventually, must be done immediately. And it's unfortunate because John Elway is going to be called a coach killer if he fires another coach. Um, but he's also going to be called a loser if he keeps losing. Uh, and I think that might be harder for him to swallow. So let's just look around the NFL uh, and look at the teams that are leading their divisions uh, and see what kind of head coach they have. Start with the Bills, who are ahead of the Dolphins. Uh, but Sean McDermott, also a defensive coach, correct? Yes. Okay, there's one. AFC West, the Chiefs. That is obviously offense. AFC North is Mike Tomlin. He's a defensive coach. So now uh, there's two. AFC South, that's the Colts. And that is Frank Reich, who is an offensive guy. Let's go to the other conference, the NFC. The Eagles, Doug Peterson. I mean, we can't <laughs> really praise them too much, but that is offense. <laughs> the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, offense. Uh, the NFC North, Matt LaFleur, offense. And the NFC South is Sean Payton. That's more offense. So that is two. Two mm -hmm. out of eight. Yeah, that 25%. Are, yep. You like that quick mental math right there, guys? Hey. That, and it's, it's not enough. I mean, there's, there's an offensive movement going on in the NFL. And somehow, some way, the Broncos – in the most offensive era in NFL history, have year after year after year after year have some of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell is going on where they can't even get a respectful offense on the field in the most offensive era in NFL history. But I have a guess as one to get that figured out. And that is to bring in an offensive-minded head coach, especially because we know that the defense is getting older and you're not going to be able to keep all those pieces together for too much longer. So to me, the, the move, whether it's this year or next year, 
when you're eventually going to have to make a change a head coach is to bring in an offensive mind and build around the Cortland Suttons and the Jerry Judys, hopefully the Philip Lindsay's, maybe, just maybe the Drew Locks, uh, and give these guys a, a, a better chance at leading this team. Well, there's something interesting to that, and it is because everybody is looking for, or almost everybody is looking for an offensive-minded head coach. That means that if you are a team that has an offensive coordinator who's doing well, that coach is going to be coveted. I mean, look, for example, how when you start seeing lists of potential coaches for next year, someone like Joe Brady, who just showed up as Carolina's offensive coordinator this year, is on the list coming from LSU working with Joe Burrow last year. So it's sort of an interesting thing that if you want continuity, another magic word that has eluded the Broncos, you're probably better off having an offensive head coach because, you, yeah, if you do well, you might lose your OC, but still the head coach is going to be the primary brains behind that offense. Whereas if you have, if you have an offensive head coach and then the defense is doing well, maybe that defensive coach isn't as likely to be snapped up just because teams are looking more on the offensive side. So you have a better chance of maintaining continuous philosophy over the years if it succeeds. So you talk, Mace, you talk about, you know, potentially losing some guys on your staff. Well, one of the things when Ryan, when you were going through that and you mentioned the two teams that had defensive head coaches, I thought, okay, well, both of those teams have had some success this, this uh, season with their offense. Why not look at their offensive coordinators and what would you guys think of the Broncos bringing in the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator, 57-year-old um, Randy – sorry, I just lost it – Randy Fitchner. Uh, I don't – I mean, I know that they have a good offense. That's about all I really know about them, so I have to do some more research. And then for the Buffalo Bills, you have Brian Dabble, uh, who's – you know, maybe a good mix of young and old, 45 years old, has been an offensive coordinator before, has worked with Josh Allen, has been in the college ranks just of last year. Uh, and he is a name. I think he's a hotter name than, uh, than old Randy out there in Pittsburgh to become a head coach. But those are guys that, you know, if, if I'm trying to think in John Elway's mind because I don't know if John Elway wants to go back to the um, hire a super young guy or a guy that only has one year of coordinating experience. He's been there, done that with Vance Joseph already. So I think Brian Dabble could be a name where 45, he's been around, but also he's had some success recently. And he is a guy that you could poach because he is an offensive coordinator. Yeah, but the, the one thing also that comes up, though, is if you're talking about what John Elway is thinking – if Vic Fangio doesn't work, is he going to want somebody who's never been a head coach before? Because, right. because looking at the John Elway era, you've had two guys who, were, who did have head coaching experience and two guys who didn't. And obviously those first two guys did have the benefit of having Peyton Manning for most of the time. But, you know, for example, John, John Fox in 2011, I don't think that's with, with everything going on with trying to get – something like Tim Tebow and an unorthodox offense, I don't think that season happens. I don't think that happens if you have a less experienced coach there on the job in, in that scenario. So I could see John looking at, at all this and saying, I've got to get somebody who's actually 
run a shot before, and that's where you start saying, okay, what are the what are the offensive coaches who have best (laughs) offensive mind available out there who's been a head coach before? Josh McDaniels. Oh, Gary Kubiak. (laughs) I was going Josh McDaniels. (laughs) Uh, At least Gary Kubiak has some success to his name when it comes to being a head coach. I like that we both went with a a Broncos retread, though. (laughs) Um, Hey, actually, what's Mike Shanahan doing? He's retired? There you go. There's another one. (laughs) Wow. Um, I wonder if there's some that are outside of the Broncos family that we can think (laughs) of. Um, Not one of the, you know, inside of the three most powerful names in Broncos history. Could you imagine Um, if the Broncos do go on a coaching search and those are the first three guys that they interview? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Groundhog Day is what I'll call it. Well, Well, how much do you like what the Dolphins are doing right now? Uh, you gotta you love it yeah absolutely okay even on the offensive side where it's just kind of you know they're t- they're figuring things out with a young quarterback but they seem to have a good overall approach yeah it's yeah. efficient okay well it, it, he's an older coach but there's your guy who's an offensive coordinator who's been a head coach that's shan gailey oh I just I don't know I I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna have that reaction to every coach that's not a coach anymore um like at that point I honestly would just go with Mike Munchak uh and and hope that he was gonna bring in some young guys around him well Mike Munchak hasn't been a play caller before um and in fact never been never been an offensive coordinator no 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 no. ryan ryan i'm, I'm kind of uh taking what you're saying and, and building something off of it what if mike munchak is your head coach and then you bring in a young offensive mind who ends up being the play caller for you and maybe that's how you steal kind of a hot name without having to give you know a 34 year old head coaching experience uh, you can bring him in, have him work under Mike Munchak, and those two can work on the offense. While Mike can also just be kind of the CEO of the team. I like it uh, as if the answer is you got to get someone who's been a head coach before. Um, right. Otherwise, like I'm trying to swing for the fences because I just you know I just feel like that's the that's the right thing to do. Um, and while John Elway hasn't had success getting coordinators and making them into coaches. Both of those guys have been defensive guys. Um, They're also polar opposites of each other in terms of a one-year coordinator who everyone kind of thought was a hot head coaching name uh, versus a lifetime coordinator who, you know, clearly no one wanted to make a head coach before the Broncos did. So I want to see them try it with the offensive guy. Um, But I have a feeling – that you're right um and if which i really hope we're not if we're sitting there in a press conference talking to john elway about what he's looking for in this latest head coaching search um i bet you you would get some sort of hint that it's a coach with experience uh who's done head coaching before and knows how to handle it i mean i just i can mm. I could, it's like a premonition. I could see it happening. 
And then I, you know, we're going to make, we're going back and we're in our group text talking about making the hot board and <laughs> it's Mike Munchak and it's, you know, and we're just going through that list. I can feel that happening. So I think you're probably right, Mace. Yeah. And the thing is as well, the reality of this situation is, and unless this team loses out, I think Vic Fangio is back. I think two more wins secures him the job for next year. It would be interesting if they go the rest of this way, one and six and only win one game. Then that'll mean they finished what one and seven, no one and eight down the stretch. That would be rough being four and 12, but Mesa, I agree. I don't think the bar is high for Vic Fangio uh, to, to come back. Um, and, and, and guys really quick, when we're talking about these guys, Ryan, what's Doug Peterson's um, job security like out there in Philadelphia? Man, I don't know. If you talk to the fans, it's not very good. Um, but, you know, I'm a believer in, in once you win a Super Bowl, you buy yourself, uh, you know, a couple of losing seasons. And <clears throat> also, you know, the Eagles won the NFC East last just last year. So, uh it can feel like they've been on a disappointing downturn, which they kind of have been. But I think that in all reality, his job's pretty safe. Well, and, and they that... blaming more. Sorry, sorry, Zach. Who are they blaming more out there? Are they blaming Peterson more or Wentz more? Wentz, but that's because yeah. that's just easier to do. Yeah, right? and also, I mean, Wentz is a, unfortunately when you start making list of quarterbacks and going through their metrics, you know, we know that Drew Locke is pretty much at the at the bottom or right near there, along with Sam Darnold but you only have to go up a name or two to see Carson Wentz on that list. He's occupying that, uh, that space in the bottom four or five quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Well, Carson and, and, is the problem with Carson is the same problem with, I have with Darnold, which is starting to become the same problem I have with Drew Locke, which is just, they're, they're, they're getting ruined uh, based on the fact that they're getting hit all the time. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, <clears throat> that's what I saw with Drew last week is, I mean, he was just getting pummeled uh and i was talking with you know some of the people in our, our madden league this morning and they you know i was saying that i don't think drew's gonna play this week uh and they were saying you know i hope you're wrong and i said i don't i don't really know if i want to see a hurt drew lock playing against a team that sends zero blitzes like it's their job i mean brian flores loves himself a good zero blitz, and he just likes to tee off on quarterbacks back there. I don't know if I can stomach watching an already hurt Drew Locke get destroyed again by a defense that absolutely lives on free rushers. And honestly, it yeah. may be best for the Broncos' offense to have Brett Rippon in there, who gets rid of the ball very, very quickly, at least just for this week uh, for the offense, because it, I think Brian Flores likes to blitz 40% of the time. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you watch it, and it's terrifying, uh, especially from a perspective of the Broncos uh, have become the kings of not picking up blitzes, whether it's from the offensive line or the running backs behind them, they are um, elite at letting someone run free. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> and, and you don't want Drew getting hit. And guys, speaking of Drew, my guess is just like yours, Ryan. I don't think he plays. He did not practice yesterday. And Vic Fangio made it very clear that he needs to practice, get some reps in, uh, in order to play. We know uh, that, Monday or Wednesday and Thursday are the real practices of the week. Friday is more so of a walkthrough. So today's just going to be crucial for him. 
Uh, real quick, the same exercise we did with the first place teams in the NFL. Let's do it with the second place teams in the NFL. Uh, the Giants are in second place in the NFC East, which that's a special teams, right? So that's <laughs> yes. That and falls his, in its own category. With his top guy on the staff being somebody with a decade of head coaching experience in Jason Garrett. That's offense, of course. Yeah. Um, Rams are second place in the NFC West. That is offense, of course. Uh, the Bears are second place in the NFC North. That is offense, of course. The Buccaneers are second place in the uh, NFC South. That is also offense. Let's go into the AFC East where the Dolphins – that's defense. Uh, the AFC West is Raiders. That, of course, is offense. The AFC North is Ravens. That's also special teams, technically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I get if you had to go one way on Harbaugh, would you go offense? Mm, yeah, I don't know. He really is a special team. He's a special right. teams All right. guy. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll, put him, we'll put him in the in that category, which is now tied with defense. Oh no! Oh, one just one behind defense. And then the AFC South is Titans, which is defense. So, uh, so now just... if you take the top, what was it, 16 teams uh-huh. in the NFL, it was four, um, four defense, two special teams, and ten offense. Okay, so h- how does uh, – then how do the last place teams look? Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> uh, the I Jets. mean, just, just curiosity here. The Jets, that is offense. Yeah. The Chargers, which is hilarious to me that the Chargers are in last place. Uh, that is defense. No, Anthony Lynn's uh, oh, uh, running, running back coach. Running, okay, okay. <laughs> so, offense, offense, mm-hmm. uh, offense. Bengals, offense. Offense. Jags, offense. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, <laughs> offense. 49ers, offense. Lions, <laughs> defense. Panthers offense. offense. Okay, so, there you go. So really you just need a good coach. <laughs> Basically it's just that every that Everyone's teams generally want offense more than defense. And I'm not sure the reason why I brought that up is I'm just thinking, okay, if there's a trend toward offense, yeah, most of the successful offensive coaches are head co- coaches uh, are doing well, but then you could say, okay, some of the unsuccessful coaches at this moment are also, are also offense. So maybe it's, that's, not what, that, that's not the specific thing that we start looking for here. Maybe it's looking for some characteristics, some background, et cetera. And also, and you can look at these things in kind of in a gray area because the 49ers are last place, but, no, but you can't say that Kyle Shanahan is an unsuccessful head coach. Right, the, Pan- right, sure. the Panthers are in last place, but you can see Matt Rule is doing an awful lot of good things to kind of rebuild from the ground up there right now in Charlotte. I don't know. I think this is a good time to uh, bring the argument back that Vance Joseph is having more success than Kyle Shanahan right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's <clears throat> just First to play his Cardinals. Exercise. He's having the time of his life. <laughs> For some reason, there's a lot of defensive influence in the third-place teams. Uh, (laughs) Falcons, defense. Vikings, defense. Seahawks, Mm -hmm. offense. Uh, Washington football team, defense. Well, Seahawks are defense. Pete Carroll's defensive guy. Oh, you're right. Okay, okay, okay. So let's start that over. Falcons, Falcons, defense. Vikings, defense. Seahawks, defense. 
Washington football team defense of the entire uh, NFC. Patriots special teams slash defense. Yeah, Mo- mostly defense. I mean, Belichick, uh, the big thing that broke it for him was being the defensive coordinator for Bill Parcells. Okay, five for five. Broncos defense, <laughs> Browns offense, Texans. Uh, defense right now, Romeo Cornell. Yeah, so I guess we'll we'll call that uh, six of eight. In yeah, place. holy <laughs> smokes, that is uh, that is something else. So if you if you're gonna have a defensive coach, odds are that you're gonna be third place in your division. You better be in a good division. <laughs> All right, uh, that was a an interesting exercise. So that, uh, glad you brought that up, Zach, uh, because I think it's interesting to see, you know how it's working uh, for the Dolphins. And obviously I think the quarterback situation has played a big role in it, but I don't think that's just the only thing uh, that's causing that to happen. So we'll see what the Broncos do and and how they're going to, uh, how they're going to figure this out as they, as they move forward. And as we move forward, it's week 10, actually it's week 11 in the NFL. And there's no better place to get in on all the action than a DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 11, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back a can't-miss offer. And if you haven't tried it, then go to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings is giving all new users a chance to earn a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 from signing up and using the code DNVR. DraftKings has endless ways for you to bet from live betting to betting on your favorite players. Uh, They do it all. Don't worry. If you don't want to bet on football, if you want to keep football sacred, then, of course, uh, you can get a chance to triple your winnings for any bet on UFC 255. It's safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to de- deposit and withdraw money at your convenience. So download the dr- top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook now and use the code DNVR when you sign up to get a $1,000 sign-up bonus. For a limited time, only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of the first deposit bonus and the first bet match. Each uh, deposit requires a 25x playthrough and restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Guys, I got to tell you about our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they've supported DNBR for a long time as DNBR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNBR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. Check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. And guys, if you want to refinance or you're curious about it, Give them a call right now. You can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 to talk about the incredible rates that are going on. Or you can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. They're there to make the refinance process simple. They could save you hundreds a month and thousands of dollars in interest over the life of your loan. And they can help people to reduce or eliminate current mortgage insurance premiums, which is huge. And maybe you want to access the equity in your house to do a large project or go back to school, maybe MSU Denver, or consolidate student loans. Mike and Virginia can do that. They can run a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether or not refinancing 
is right for you. So make sure to check out DNVR Mortgage to enter to win some free DNVR swag and also get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options over at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, let's jump into the questions from the listeners. The first one here comes in from Schweed. Hey, guys, I've been meaning to ask this for a couple of weeks, but do you think that the Broncos could have a similar situation that Atlanta has? They have two number one receivers with Cortland and Jerry, just like Julio and Calvin Ridley. Just curious on your thoughts. On another note, can we take some time to appreciate someone I wish was in this locker room? Jamal Adams. This guy seriously called out the entire Jets franchise saying they don't want to win. On top of that, the time he said he would die playing football before he, en- uh, before he entered the draft, because that caused a lot of debate. This man loves the game and loves to win. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in this league, and I wish all the best for that man. Appreciation post over. Very Are we random. Talking about Jamal Adams that didn't play the run on that touchdown a couple of weeks ago. That kind of held back, like he didn't want any part of contact. I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> all I know is Jamal Adams in Madden makes you fumble every single time he hits you. At least yeah. for me. If he gets a hit stick on a small player, that ball is coming out. So, yeah, random Uh, appreciation post to Jamal Adams. And, uh, Shweed, to your Broncos question, absolutely. That's what you could be looking at. That was definitely the goal. Yeah, that's certainly the goal. Now, are Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy going to develop into Julio Jones? That may be tough because Julio is one of the best of all time. But, I mean, are are we talking about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy being two number ones? That's what it should be, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so excited to see Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler play when Cortland Sutton is taking them. It's going to be awesome. Next one coming in from Casper. Fellas, I was thinking about what quarterbacks from the past were born in the wrong era. The days of pocket passer are leaving us, so I wonder which mobile QB from yesteryear would be more successful had they played in today's NFL. Well, I already have my answer. And it's not on this list. Roger Staubach, Cortland, or Cordell Stewart, Donovan McNabb, Fran Tarkenton, Steve Young, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick. For the sake of argument, let's assume they all get drafted by a team that will play to their strength and give them the best chance to be successful. Well, obviously, Michael Vick would be fantastic in today's NFL. Yes, he would. He'd be unreal. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray type. The one that I'm going to say would be more successful in today's NFL, especially if they were drafted by a team that uh, plays their strengths and gives them a great chance to be successful, Archie Manning. Bingo. That's, that's the best answer to this because some of, three of these guys, Stahlback, Tarkenton, and Young, even though, yeah, they would have been even better in this era, they still had Hall of Fame careers. Uh, Archie Manning had the disadvantage of being in the wrong era and going to the wrong team. Shoot, if you could have exchange Archie Manning with Terry Bradshaw I think the Steelers of the 70s win even more Super Bowls pretty funny how different Archie's kids were in terms of how they played than he was it's very weird like why didn't they get the uh <laughs> the scramble gene <laughs> right. in fact Peyton couldn't be more I mean Eli as well couldn't be more opposite maybe that was part of uh, what Archie was teaching them in terms of learning how to play quarterback to say but you know back in those days if you're a scrambler, you took a pounding. I mean, a Staubach yeah. took a pounding. Tarkenton certainly did. Archie Manning did. Now, Staubach and 
Tarkenton had the benefit of having better own lines than New Orleans did. New Orleans had basically five traffic cones out there for most of the 1970s. So perhaps it was his own experience as somebody who maybe had to hold the ball too long and had to run for his life where he taught his sons learning how to be quarterback. Hey, you got to read it quickly and you've got to get it out quickly. And that's the way to keep, that's, that's the way to self-preservation. The only thing I'll say about that, though, is that speed is normally God-given. Obviously, it could be improved upon. Uh, but, you know, Archie had it, and those guys just don't. It also fades. And Archie, he, you know, his starting time in the NFL was pretty much over in year 12. He hung on for a couple more years, uh, occasionally starting and being a backup with Houston and Minnesota. And – you know, Archie retired after his 14th season. He was actually going to his 15th uh, training camp with the Minnesota Vikings and told Bud Grant he was done, hung it up, went back home to the Garden District in New Orleans. And at that point, at year 15, for example, Peyton Manning was just starting his Broncos career. Yeah, yeah, that that's so, crazy. Wait, spe- speaking of Peyton really quick and his physical attributes – was I were, were were we all totally duped by that ab six pack picture that that was surfacing? Was that real or was that fake? Ah, uh, that was real. Okay, that that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure if I was just uh, being fooled. No, that was real. Peyton's, you know, got more time to just straight work out instead of getting in the film room these days. And maybe he can thank Archie for that. Maybe. <laughs> Next one coming in from Broncos guy sixty three. God forbid we go three and thirteen or four and twelve, and Vic gets fired. How do you all feel about bringing John Fox back? God. He isn't the greatest coach. Well, then stop there. But he has made a career out of pulling franchises out of the gutter and stabilizing them. Carolina and, of course, Denver. I'm sure Mace can pull some stats out of thin air to support my theory, LOL. I wouldn't be stoked about the move, then don't do it. But I think Fox would bring a great stabilizing force back to the Broncos and could act as a placeholder until a great candidate becomes available and or Denver becomes a desirable destination again. I had no idea how good we had it when I was in high school and we won Super Bowl 50. All I want is our franchise to become respectable again. Uh, appreciate all you fellas do stay safe thank you broncos right, 63 right. okay. before there's just only one point that needs to be made here john fox before a playoff game in denver was negotiating his move out of denver while john elway was the general manager so uh i don't think that relationship uh is probably in a stable area yeah this isn't happening in any way <laughs> shape or form However, if we were in a universe where John Fox were coaching the Broncos this year, I think they'd have another win or two. For sure. And the reason why is I don't think you would have a scenario where you'd you'd have the same offensive game plans. I think he'd be looking at how Drew Locke uh, was struggling to to read everything in front of him, and he would tell Pat Shermer – you figure out something simple here to where we can we can live with the ups and downs of this guy and we can protect him. Remember, John Fox is the guy who, at all three of his coaching stops, won games in which his starting quarterback threw eight or fewer passes. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that Fox, he always had in his favor is 
he maximizes what's there, even if what's there isn't much. I think he would insist on a game plan that protected Drew Locke, and I don't think we'd be having the same kinds of conversations about Drew Locke if John Fox were the Broncos. And he got a team that only ever had any offensive output in the fourth quarter to the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> it could be perfect. And Broncos guy 63, <laughs> I, I, I think it's – I totally know where you're coming from, but, yeah, it won't happen. And, guys, since we've been talking about, like, head coaching trends and stuff, when was the last time a team had back-to-back-to-back defensive head coaches? I mean – especially in today's NFL, that would be something else if John Elway went out and hired another defensive head coach. That would just well, – that would be wild. Uh, it might be over the course of like 100 years, but maybe uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I can think of one off the top of my head. And it, and it won't surprise you given when you think of this team, you don't think of offense. That's the Chicago Bears. Mm. Who, you know, now, Mike Ditka was now, when, not how, – How long ago was that? This was in the 90s and 2000s because after Mike Ditka was fired, they replaced him with Dave Wanstead off of Jimmy Johnson's staff. When he got fired, they replaced him with Dick Jerron. When Jerron got fired, they replaced him with Lovey Smith. Yeah. And then they went offense with Mark Tressman. And, and that, that worked out Foxy, well. And then offense with Matt Nagy. <laughs> Man, Mark Tressman, what a, what a left field hire that was. You know what? I wish it had worked because – it was, kind of, it was an inspired choice, a guy who's really bright uh, and, and a guy who, whose head coaching experience was in the CFL. That was one that I really wanted to see succeed because if it had, I think you would have had teams looking in some different directions in less likely spots. Like with Rich Gangarello, a lot of people in the sport of football, not just the NFL, the sport, were, were rooting for Skangs to succeed because his background – you know, going through, you know, Millsaps College in Northern Arizona and Wagner as an assistant, it's so out there compared to the traditional background of an NFL coach working his way up that it's the sort of thing that would have, I think, opened horizons and opened people's eyes to, to candidates that aren't from that good old boy network. Uh, the good news for those people is that I think that Skangs will get another chance. I agree. Uh, and I think he'll be successful. Yeah. I, really, um, I, I think it'll be games. I think I think we all do in this real in this quick conversation. to wrap up this question is is there a, a John Fox type that could be the Broncos head coach an A to B coach you know a lot of times we're trying to go straight from A to C um, I, I wonder if there's a good A to B option out there of a guy who has got gotten teams back to stability you know I think of uh, of you know what the Washington football team did hiring Ron mm-hmm. Rivera that's like a stabilizer you know who gets you back to competing for the playoffs and then after that maybe you make the hire to get you over the hump yeah that just that's just out there. just remember though I John Elway he his years may be ticking so I don't think he's looking for a stabilizer before getting the home run I I don't necessarily think he is too uh or either but Maybe. I mean, it worked. The, the one time that he did it that way is the one time that it worked. And that was the very beginning of his career as yep. a GM. Yeah, he, he wanted somebody who filled in the gaps of what he knew. I mean, it was, it, it was when, he, when Foxy didn't get renewed in Carolina and the Broncos had an opening. Covering the team at the time, I thought it just makes so much sense because you have somebody who's 
stepping into his first NFL job while you bring in somebody as your head coach who has seen everything. It, it was just a, a perfect fit. Now, he doesn't, now, Munchak doesn't have the head coaching experience of John Fox, but he does have the experience of maximizing a limited roster, limited talent. Remember, he was dealing with Jake Locker as his quarterback. And also remember what happened to the Titans when they pushed him out the door. It completely collapsed, and Munchak was keeping them competitive. Yeah, Mike Munchak, the guy on your staff, could very well be that stabilizer if that's what you wanted. Next one coming in from Hip Hip You Ray. Greetings, gents. I was listening all week and vehemently wanted to post on Monday's pod, but wanted to listen to the rest of Broncos country about how frustrating a loss Sunday was. Man, oh man, that one stunk. I was doing some talking with one of my friends who's a diehard Vikings fan. We discussed the whole quarterback discussion and has had and that has happened between Cousins, Bridgewater, and Keenum. He says that he would rather have had Teddy, but got Cousins instead. He also th- said that if Teddy wouldn't have gotten hurt, they would have had a championship right now, considering as though we got Keenum in the whole Eskimo brother situ- Vikings situation. I couldn't help but think, would Kirk Cousins have a similar situation with Denver as he did with the Vikings over the past five years? Get to the playoffs a couple times, but never really get over the hump? Or were there just too many problems in Denver that whoever the quarterback was wouldn't have made a difference? Thoughts? I, I mean, I don't know. I think that, you know, if you were able to get Kirk Cousins, things would have been better off. But I also think we're starting to see a very concerning trend, which is that no quarterback is succeeding around here. Uh, and maybe that is because – John Elway just can't find a quarterback. Or maybe there's just a bigger problem um, at play here uh, that, is ca- that is causing quarterbacks to not succeed, whether that's coaching, uh, scheme, uh, or even offensive line problems. Yeah, guys, with, with Kirk Cousins, uh, I know he's been disappointing and he is not the $30 million quarterback that the Vikings wanted. But, yes, this team would be a playoff team, guys. In his two and a half years, he has 73 touchdowns to 27 interceptions, which absolutely blows out of the water what the Broncos have had in that time period. He's thrown 69% completion, and he has over 10,000 yards in two and a half years. So, yeah, he, he would – I think the Broncos would be in the playoffs. Not a wild card team, but – They'd be competitive. We wouldn't be talking about this scenario where you're staring down a fourth consecutive losing season. Uh, the, the thing with Kirk Cousins is you have to accept that the ceiling is – probably not Super Bowl right your ceiling is probably divisional round maybe if you catch a break in the postseason the conference championship game but you're probably not playing for the big enchilada with Kirk Cousins yeah just yep. a small enchilada a tosada. but right I mean, now you have Kirk Cousins got, it's not yeah. an enchilada at all it's just like a tortilla rolled around some beans it gets you full <laughs> yeah but right right now right now the plate isn't a tortilla the, the, it isn't even like a scoop of beans. The plate is two is two beans and maybe like five pieces of rice here. On a on so a on a that's paper an improvement. plate. <laughs> so hungry. Um, all right, moving on to orange and blue Aussie. Since 2015, any team that wins four or less games gets a top five pick. Sadly, this is possible for our beloved Broncos. The schedule is tough. Here's the game coming up in my percentages that we pull off the upset. Your thoughts on those percentages. Miami, 25%. I think that's about a fair. Yep, I think, fair. That, I think it's right. 
New Orleans, 10%. I would actually put this a bit higher um, just because we don't know what Jameis Winston's going to look like at quarterback for them, even though I assume that he's going to succeed. Uh, there's no guarantees of that. I would put this right in the same area at 25%. Yep, I would too for the exact same reasons. At KC, 5%. Yeah, Maybe even two. that probably feels good. <laughs> yeah. uh, at Carolina, 40%. Mm, okay. I, I, yeah, it, that's, it's the highest game maybe, uh, but I'm not even sure it's going to be that high, I think. That one depends on whether Christian McCaffrey plays because McCaffrey going against what will be a defensive line that will still be without Mike Purcell and Jarrell Casey scares me a little bit. That's fair. Fair. Uh, Buffalo, 20%. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd go to the 25, like Miami. I'm yeah. trending down on that one, especially after we saw what Buffalo did against Seattle. I think they've, uh, I think they've gotten over this hiccup that they had the last few weeks. Chargers, 50%. That's right. Um, I mean, you always have a chance against the Chargers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Depends on the impact of Samson cutting his locks of hair. I mean, I, I can't blame him because of the Chargers team form, but, uh, you know, what if uh, he got a little bit of power from uh, that mane that cascaded out the back of his helmet? Yeah, curious to see what hap- how he re- uh, responds to being nationally roasted. Yeah, yeah that he looks rough. He looks 12. At best. <laughs> you know what? And, the reason why and- he looks 12 is it, it looks like he's got some, you know, some some teenage or or early or preteen acne kind of thing going on there that's that's why he looks distinctly teenage to me yeah that's why i like his haircut though he may he makes me feel more normal (laughs) uh last last one he has here is las vegas 33 percent man after watching that dismantling last week um while the broncos were in the game for a lot of it it just didn't feel like they were to me the chance, um, yeah, and the chances of that game, I think, are entirely dependent upon the Raiders' playoff status. If the Raiders have clinched their seed, they're locked in or they're already out, then I think the Broncos have a decent shot. If the Raiders are playing for anything, even if they're playing to turn a seventh seed into a fifth seed, then I'd say you're probably looking at about 10%. Learn oh, from gosh. your mistakes last year. Don't beat the Raiders in week 17. That's what I was just going to say. I really (laughs) hope that if we're talking about the Broncos getting no wins or one win from now until then, don't win that game. Don't be 5-11. Don't take yourself out of a fantastic pick. Yeah. Even Uh, though it worked out and you got Jerry Judy, don't do it again. (laughs) Yeah, that was lucky. Um, And I don't know. It could be a job security game, though. No, <laughs> then oh. what, what, what has to be done needs to be done now. Yeah, and, that's, and a, that's a job that always that. goes sleep on that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, guys are going to play hard in, in that game because, as Tyler Pulubba said, no player wants to put out bad film. But you remember the job security game and the end up keeping Vance Joseph's job with Kansas City. Remember, he started Paxton Lynch. Akeeb made a business decision on the first possession. Yeah. Yep. Chris didn't play long. I mean, it was a preseason game. Paxton Lynch had a better quarterback rating than uh, Patrick Mahomes in that game. (laughs) Anyways, he goes on and says, I'm cheering at this point for the football team to win enough to pass us. They're going to want a quarterback, and the Jets and Jags have the first two picks wrapped up. I don't know if it's quite wrapped up. You know, Jake Luton is kind of playing some decent football (laughs) over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, decent enough, at least from like a fantasy perspective and a betting perspective. Yeah. Uh, Who's coaching that next year? I think, I don't think Doug Marone is there. I mean, the, the, it seems like that's. No, I'm not th- saying they're going to keep him around. I'm okay. saying, I, I don't know if, I think they yeah. might win a game accidentally here. Right. But, but they're going to be in the QB market, you know, whether they're picking second or third or wherever though. Yeah. I just don't yeah. know if they have the, the number two pick locked up yet. Yeah. Um, he says, Zach Wilson is in range for the Broncos. We can get in the top five, and the football team isn't before us. I hate to lose, but what good is 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine going to do for the team? Evaluate Locke to see if he can improve, and if he doesn't, we'll be in a position to get a highly regarded prospect. No guarantee he'll work out, but you have to try and ignore those who say uh, you can't find a quarterback. As it's a crapshoot, look at the 2018 draft. Mayfield, Darnold, and Rosen have been poor. I disagree on Mayfield. And only Allen has stepped up. We have to keep drafting them until we hit. Just need to uh, learn a bit more each time. Thoughts on Zach Wilson and Mac Jones? Yeah, Zach Wilson. I, I like them both. Zach Wilson, I had a conversation about this yesterday with uh, the, the news that the Pac-12 is going to be a bit more flexible if there are cancellations in allowing teams to reschedule. Here's an opportunity for somebody in the Pac-12 to get BYU on the schedule and get a and get a game for Zach Wilson against a Power Five team. I mean, if Utah's got a vacancy on the schedule, they got to get BYU on there. We because the missing piece for Zach Wilson right now in this brilliant season is working against a higher level of competition. That's why I'd like to see a game like that, and it's why I'm I'm not a BYU fan but I want to see them in the playoff because I want to see Zach Wilson against a Clemson or Alabama. I totally agree. And, and I think the NFL would love to see that as well. If I'm a Pac-12 <laughs> team, there's no way I'm touching that though. <laughs> oh, but it would get, it, but the thing is, it's all about TV eyeballs, right? Yep. If you want a game that's going to be picked up. Zach Wilson against a Pac-12 team is going to be picked up by ESPN or Fox. Yeah. Every right. game, every game that the Pac-12 has, televised on ESPN or FS1 gets every school in the Pac-12 $425,000. Bingo. So, Oof, uh, that'll do. That that uh you definitely want. I mean if if the Buffs could play BYU this week, I would take it. I'd love it. I, I it'd be awesome to see. For yeah. and actually for both because it would be a litmus test for CU as well. I'd yeah, and like, I I wouldn't expect them to win the game, but I just, I want to play. I want I want those guys to develop. Yeah, me too. Five minutes before game time, though, Ryan. What what's the what's uh, your call on the game? Buffs by fifty. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of you know times. I always feel good right before it starts. WGT. I always think I'm going to win the tournament right before I tee off, uh, and then you know you just get a little twitchy on the tap and you pull one left. And but uh, it, it it really is a fun game, uh, and it's a great way to interact and compete against your fellow DNVR family members because uh, this week we are hosting the retro open in um, uh, honor of the Avs dropping a sweet retro Jersey. And we're expecting to see another nuggets retro Jersey come out today or tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. Although it's going to be red and everyone knows that I don't like red. Um, that being said, uh, the Retro Open is open to everyone. That's why it's called an Open. And uh, you can play alongside your fellow DNVR family members when you join the DNVR 4 Country Club. 
Um, there's a lot of different ways to play, a lot of different ways to compete. Uh, but when you join WGT, join one of our clubhouses and compete in a tournament and send us a screenshot that you did, then you will be entered to win a prize every single week. And you'll also be entered in for the grand prize, which is going to be sick. So check it out. Uh, go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT to get in on this weekend's retro open. Guys, make sure you check out our friends and family over at Green Mountain Dental. We've had tons of the DNVR family switch over to Green Mountain Dental, and they've only had fantastic things to say about it, including that they really do treat you like family. And that's what's so great about them. They're family to us, but they treat you guys like family as well. So please go give them a, give them a check. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, and they're a longtime DNVR partner. And on top of all of that, not only can you talk sports with them, but if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check out Green Mountain Dental, schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush over at Green Mountain Dental. All right, next one from Samuel B. Sue. Hey guys, this season sure has been disappointing. We expected an inconsistent team with highs and lows, but I didn't imagine so many lows and very little highs. The team has shown to have nice building blocks for the future, so I can keep the faith next, uh, next season could be better when the team comes back from injuries. We knew that this was, season was all about evaluating Drew, and I think not playing it this week can help the uh, evaluation. If Brett does well with the same offensive line, the same scheme, and the same weapons, it could show us that the problem comes from Drew. I really wanted him to be the guy last year, but it seemed the game was too big for him, and sadly that, uh, and that has sadly changed. Uh, it seemed the game was not too big for him last year, but sadly that has changed. I really hope he can turn it around this year and be our QB for the next 10 years. But if he doesn't, does this mean we need to cheer for Nick Wright and his predictions of 3-13? and 13? Wow, 2020 is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Thanks for all that you do, the articles, the podcasts, your posts on Twitter, and all the great coverages for my favorite team. Oh, wow. Thank you, Samuel B. Sue. Thanks. But, I mean, how close oh. are we to Nick Wright being right? I've yeah, believe me, I don't even want to think about that. Because <laughs> between my playoff prediction and if and me saying that a walrus with dysentery could crap a better prediction than three thirteen, <laughs> I'm gonna have a hell of a lot to walk back here if this team can't figure things out and at least get to like shoot, get to six and ten. Ugh. I mean not that, yeah. that but ugh. But the Broncos' injury situation is equivalent to a walrus with, with dysentery. I know, but I can't. I don't want to get into the excuse-making. I know, I know. I, unfortunately, um, I don't think it's going to be uh, – well, fortunately, I don't think Vic Wright is going to be right. Unfortunately, I don't know if like 4-12 uh, <laughs> right. it, it feels that good when you're dunking on someone. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right. Or, or even 5-11, and 11, but I will uh, – if they are 5-11, and 11, I'll be like, okay, well, let's see. They, you know, they, they almost doubled your predicted win total. What do you do at 4-12, and 12, though? Do you, do, do, you not have, do you not go after him? Well, you got to uh, get him after the fourth win, for sure. Yeah, I, I'll, jokingly, I'll jokingly say something, and I'll say, ha, you were wrong. But uh, <laughs> I'll put parentheses like, but you weren't wrong by much. There'll be a serious mea culpa coming. <laughs> All right, Next moving one on. from Thick Fangio. I know RK hates him, but let's say Ian Book is available in round three. Do you take him? I don't 
I don't think I hate Ian Book. I just really don't like Notre Dame. <laughs> I think he is a much better fit for the Shermer offense. And if all does go well, uh, and if all he does well is go through his progressions and not turn the ball over, that would be important. The downside is I think he has a low ceiling, but a high floor and has been spoiled sitting behind the Notre Dame line. It may take a rude awakening for him with Chris Jones or Joey Bosa in his face after three seconds. I'll leave you with this quote from Obi-Wan. You, you were the chosen one, Drew. You were supposed to destroy the Raiders, not become their beep. You were supposed to bring balance to this offense, not leave it in darkness. Or it was something like that. Stay thick. Um, I, n- no, you don't want to draft a quarterback to be your quarterback in round three. Um, and if he has the luxury of sitting behind a great offensive line, I really don't want to see what happens when he doesn't have that luxury anymore. If you want the first-round guy that can go through his progressions and read a defense, you're talking about Mac Jones. I like that. I mean, I I shouldn't say I like that, but I like your answer to that. (laughs) You wouldn't have to trade up for him either. Right. Yeah. If you go 5-11 and or 6-10, and he's probably sitting there waiting for you. Yep, exactly. Mac Jones. I mean, he does have a – that's like – that's a name that can succeed. Yeah, um, it He is. also has a vibe with Jerry Judy. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's Jerry Jones's grandson, too. Oh. Well, that's Full a knock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jerry Jones is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, just saying. I mean, he, should he be a Hall of Famer? No, but he is. <laughs> Next one. I, for- I mean, do the, are the Cowboys going to take him if he's available, like, in the Ooh. second round? Maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's their plan, to let yeah. Dak Prescott go and to draft Mac Jones. Okay. Uh, prob- probably trade back into the back half of the first round and pick him, not pick him at the top of the, of the, top of the first round. I can't believe I've become this guy, but <laughs> if Dak Prescott is available, I am all over it. Yeah, like, me too. all over it. Me too. Uh, yeah, I'm not there yet, guys. <laughs> well, but, but wait, wait, Mason, important thing here. Um, I think Ryan and I talked about it on Monday, the escrow that you would have to put right. in for him and on top of the cap space for next year. Zach's excitement level to be able to pull an escrow reference on Mason. In, in, a, in a vacuum, I'd love Dak Prescott, and it would solve the whole thing of failing to develop a quarterback. Well, Dak's already developed. But uh, the 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 cash is the, the cash is the thing there. Can you because Dak Prescott's escrow guaranteed cash, it's easily a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, get a new owner, and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I like, I think it's crazy. If Dak's available, I might make the case that he's the best quarterback that's been available since Peyton. Wow. Yeah, I mean, some of the stats would be there. The only other real option there would be Kirk Cousins. He's definitely better than Kirk Cousins. Mm. But the way the Vikings are trending right now, I mean, they have you seen their next few games in terms on the schedule? Easy, oh, jeez. Yeah, there's a good shot of the Vikings being seven and five and making that one and five start just a a painful memory. Yeah. But that doesn't make um, Kirk Cousins better than Dak. <laughs> No, but it means they're going to stick with him. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dan Burke, hey, guys, does a scenario exist where Elway takes a step back from the day-to-day football operations next year and becomes more of a figurehead for the Broncos and Matt Russell becomes the GM? 
I think people will underestimate how well-respected Russell is in NFL circles. He already got promoted once this offseason, so it's not unreasonable to think they could promote him once more. I always felt like Russell was being groomed for something bigger eventually. They definitely increased his visibility this offseason as far as interviews and videos on the team website. Um, so it makes me wonder if this is part of the plan. Also, would you all trust Russell to pick a quarterback more than Elway? I remember back in 2018, pre-draft process, it was reported that he and Kubiak were big fans of Mayfield, so he's probably willing to go for some um, someone unconventional more than John is. I, I mean, him and John are joined at the hip. I, I think all this, all of these decisions have been kind of a, uh, a John and Matt thing, not just a John thing. I totally agree. That, that was going to be my answer. So, I mean, maybe he's more aggressive. You know, the one thing John Elway has not done is really gotten aggressive and gone after his guy. He has uh, not traded up in the top 10 for a quarterback. So maybe that's something that Matt Russell does. Maybe, you know, remember there was a time when Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were available and two teams just said, like, we're getting those guys. Right. Um, I mean, you fall in love with Justin Fields and you yeah. say, okay, what does it take? Yeah, exactly. You do it. Um, and so maybe that's what he has in him. And, and honestly, that would be refreshing uh, to see – uh, a GM say, this is my guy. I'm getting him. I don't care what it takes. And if you're right, no one will ever question you. In reality, John Elway has not made a bold move at the quarterback decision at his entire time as GM. Come on. Peyton Manning was not a bold move. Giving him a hundred nope. million dollars was not a bold move. Drafting a quarterback in the twenties and Paxton Lynch was certainly not a bold move. Paying Kirk Cousins, or I'm sorry, paying Case Keenum and Joe Flacco, $18 million per year. They were one of the cheapest starting quarterbacks in the league. And then drafting Drew Locke in the second round, not bold. Nothing has been bold. I would love to see some bold moves. Yep, I agree. Uh, moving on here from Jay, Jace, Jason. Yeah, I think you got it. Jason, yeah. 17. What's up, guys? Happy Thursday. I have some hypotheticals. I want to know which one you guys would rather have happen. One, the Broncos win a Super Bowl in the next five years, but don't make the playoffs the other four years. Two, the Broncos make five Super Bowls, but would get blown out in each one. Definitely not that one. <laughs> Three, uh, Broncos go 0-16 one year, win the Super Bowl the next year, then go 0-16 again, then win another one. I, um, that one's the leader in the clubhouse for me right now. Uh, four Broncos become the pre-Mahomes Chiefs and make the playoffs for the next five years, but get eliminated in the wild card each time. Thanks again for your coverage and enjoy watching Kyler and Russ tonight. I mean, this is easy. Okay, and what's interesting here is, like, number two just feels like a better version of number four because you're, yeah. lo you're losing in the postseason, but you're making five straight Super Bowls rather than going to five wild cards. Well, I'm taking the five Super Bowls even though – it means that you're, you're losing. Honestly, I, and I know people would get frustrated with, this, with losing Super Bowls. I am taking number two and making wow. five consecutive Super Bowls, even though you lose each one. That is by far my least favorite one um, because the Broncos like, get officially labeled as the worst Super Bowl team in history. Um, and that, that's, a, that's just a big blow to the ego. The other one, they but, get to but two Super Bowls in four years. That's but why, I, I, can't, that's I don't want to that... go through a 116. <laughs> See, I, I would love the high of highs and the lowest of lows. So give me that one as the number one. Also, but my, my number two is Mace's number one. I'm going five, five straight losing Super Bowls. 
Are you kidding me? As my number two. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. All right, that's that's my last place. But uh, to me, honestly, Broncos go 0-16. They get the number one overall pick. So then that guy comes in and helps them win a Super Bowl, and everyone's like, wow, that worked out incredibly. Then they go 0-16 again, and then they get another guy who comes in and helps them win a Super Bowl. Now this roster is absolutely stacked coming off that year four, too, and they've just won two Super Bowls in the last four years. You think it's stacked? I mean, what ha- it, part of that is you're looking at after that third year and saying, we won a Super Bowl, but we had two 0-16 seasons in three years. That means you're changing, the, you're changing the roster. I just don't know if I can go through that sort of whiplash. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly – it has to be because in year three there was a, a huge influx of injuries. You'd think so, certainly. Oh, Otherwise, I mean, huge. Yeah. Like Something more than the Broncos so. have this year. Or, or there's another – like there's a pandemic and uh, – and guys end up missing the season. And it's, it's like COVID, except you get sick for months on end, but you recover Jesus. rather than a, a few weeks or days. And, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, the whole team got sick. We had to go. <laughs> I mean, God all I'm saying kid. is you probably go 0-16 one year, draft a quarterback who is so dope that you win the Super Bowl the next year. Then he gets injured the next year. Yeah. He was so valuable <laughs> to the team that they go 0-16 like Peyton Manning uh, and the Colts. Uh, and then you bring him in like some incredible wide receiver who then the two combine uh, to be co-MVPs and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it would be fun. It would be the, the ups and downs would be incredible. <laughs> oh, I couldn't take the downs. I'm sorry. <laughs> Big Tony chiming in. Hey, y'all, can you please elaborate on what you mean by saying that bringing in Eric Bieniemy as head coach would be too close to home? He'd be the perfect fit for this young offensive group, in my opinion. What is it that you know that we don't? Why do you seem to be so reluctant reluctant about him as an option if and when Vic is let go? Uh, it's not really anything. It's all publicly available information. Just uh, yeah. Eric Bieniemy had a long history of run-ins with the law when he was in Boulder um, to the point where he was actually um, banned – from CU's campus at one point so uh you know I'm I I'm a big believer in second chances and I actually think Eric Bieniemy is a great guy uh and I you know I have a, a little bit of a relationship with him but I'm just trying to be realistic when I say especially after what happened with Vance Joseph where right mm-hmm. after the Broncos hired him um you know a bunch of negative press came out about his history in Boulder I don't I really have a hard time imagining the Broncos going down the same path where the same exact thing will happen. And even though Eric Bieniemy's, um, you know, the, the trouble that he got in in Boulder wasn't nearly as bad as what Vance Joseph was being accused of. Um, it's still just the deja vu. I don't think the Broncos want to deal with. No, I agree. And that's why we say too close to home because we're not saying that this can't, that he can't go out to, uh, I don't know, New York with the jets and, and do this. I just think just down the street in Boulder, and Ryan, just like you said, with Vance Joseph, I think it'd be too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, reflexively, I'm, with all respect to RK, but reflexively, I'm staying away from anybody who was around CU in the, in the McCartney years. I mean, I don't see, that's where I get into like the don't use Paxton Lynch as a reason to not draft Josh Allen. You know, like it, it, these things should exist in, in their own, each one should exist in a vacuum. But uh, I just don't think the Broncos – like, I just don't yeah. think the Broncos will do it. 
And I think last one coming in here from the other Ryan. My boys, the Dolphins blitz nearly 40% of the time, and they have generated 15 turnovers this season, which they often turn into points. The Broncos better have the hot reads, quick passing, and screen game actually show up this week, whether the quarterback is Drew Locke or Brett Rippon. In some ways, Rippon, who is better pre-snap recognition, could be a better fit to play this week. I'm not advocating for such unless Locke isn't healthy enough to play because the Broncos need Locke to get as many snaps as possible in the final seven games this season. As of right now, do you think that Locke makes enough progress over the final seven weeks to be their starter next year? If you had to prognosticate as to who Denver's starter is week one of 2021 season, who is it and why? Have a tremendous Thursday, including a great matchup tonight. DNV Army, salute. Um, you know, I think Brett actually has a chance uh, against this defense. They love to vacate the middle, and he likes to throw the ball over the middle. So um, there might be some options for him to just throw little drag routes with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler if, if Pat Shermer's willing to call him. What is going to really drive me crazy is if Pat Shermer uh, keys in on the run game this week because they got a backup quarterback in there. The Broncos run the ball for like 200 yards. And uh, and Brett Rippon's able to make like easy reads off of play action. That's gonna make my head explode. Um, but if Brett Rippon goes out there and makes some great, you know, reads at the line and identifies blitzes and throws into wherever the blitz is coming from, then I think you know um, he has a chance to succeed a little bit out there. Um, uh, but he is gonna get hit. That's for sure. He's gonna get hit. And the other thing is, unlike the Jets back in uh, early October. You, you do have a team that's going to have some film to go on with Brett Rippon. So you, you know that they're going to try to – I think they're going to try to get him to throw short, but I also think uh, they're going to try to kind of mask their coverages a little bit and try uh, to make sure that, that, that their intent isn't decipherable pre-snap and maybe get Brett Rippon to throw some places that, they, that he doesn't want to. And certainly I think the other thing they'll try to do is they will try to force Brett Rippon to throw, at, to throw outside – and toward the sideline because that's where the arm talent compared to Drew Locke and other quarterbacks, for example, that, that's where the relative lack of arm talent is going to result in some balls that kind of float a little bit and give the opportunity for their secondary to get their hands on and get some picks. Yeah, we're also talking about the New York Jets who have the third worst defense in the league, giving up 30 points per game. And this week going up against the Miami Dolphins who are giving up only 20 points per game as a top five defense. I think it's going to be really tough for no matter what quarterback plays, but what's crazy mm -hmm. is Brett Rippon may have a, a better formula because he gets the ball out quick. Yeah. What the, and the other part of it, the, the question, if you had to prognosticate who Denver starter is in week one of the 2021 season, who is it and why I respect you. The other Ryan, I'm not touching that today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to prognosticate, so I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, you know, I am a man of the people, uh, and I will uh, I'll answer their questions. Good. So uh, I'm going to say that the starting quarterback in week one of the 2021 season is Drew Locke. Do you feel good about that? Because you, you don't really say it like it. I'm not confident in it, uh, but I would say that Drew Locke would be the favorite if there were odds on this in Vegas right now. Yeah, I think he would be the favorite. Guys, help me out with the free agent quarterback. I mean, who are, who are we talking? Um, I just don't think Jameis, Jameis is going to – I don't think he's going to leave. I, I Prescott. Think no, not Dak. I mean, oh, man. Teddy Bridgewater. 
Yeah, and I just think no. even they're going to roll with him. I mean, I think the oh, options I, are going to be so bad out I, there. I think but Carolina runs it back with, with Bridgewater 100%. Phillip Rivers is going to be on the market. He's got a one-year oh, deal. Oh, let's uh, go. I'm going Phillip Rivers. All right. <laughs> let's, let's name some others. Andy Dalton. Oh, my goodness. A.J. McCarron. Tyrod oh. Taylor. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. There you go. I'll go Mitchell with that Trubis- group. Just that group. Give me that group for me. Mitchell Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett. Sam but Darnold? Pers- yeah. Sam, but- yeah, if you trade for him. And then uh, uh, Nathan Peterman's going to be on the market. Oh, my gosh. If Nathan Peterman is the starting quarterback for the Broncos in week one of next year, um, I'll, I'll, I'll eat a shoe topped with barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I say no barbecue sauce. Oh no, I I, I got to have something. I got to have something to lubricate and get that thing down. You got to give me that. You got to give me the, the sauce. Fine, you can have the sauce. Um, yeah, I I mean, geez, this is what happens. Like, there's a reason why good quarterbacks usually aren't available. Although Dak Prescott could very very well yes. be the exception to that rule. All right. Oh, uh, gr- oh what, what I forgot one. I forgot a couple of names here. Cam Newton, Joe Flacco. Uh, yeah, we know Joe Flacco's not going to be coming back. <laughs> Say no to Sleepy Joe. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for us on today's edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast. That was fun. A lot of good conversations. Appreciate all of you guys for listening to us. And appreciate all of you who support those who support us. And one of those is Green Mountain Dental. Several of our listeners have switched over to Green Mountain Dental uh, because it's, you know, it's a family, just like we are here at DNVR, and they're part of the family, and they'll treat you like family when you go down. They're going to call, you know, they're going to call you after any work you get done, uh, make sure you're feeling all right, uh, and and things are going well. And, of course, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. They also, you know, they'll wish you a happy birthday. Little things, those little touches that separate uh, small businesses from big ones. So make sure you check out Green Mountain Dental Group if you need any dental work done. But for us, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Enjoy a great Thursday night football matchup, and we will talk to you tomorrow.